Hey, what's up? My name is Dusty Otis. I am the lead pastor here at The Grove in Fort Collins, Colorado. Thank you so much for taking part of your day to be a part of this church, to engage in this message, and for supporting our ministry. It means more than you know. None of what we get to do happens without you. I pray that today's message speaks to your heart. I hope that it helps you move forward in your relationship with God, and I hope that you become just a little bit better in following Jesus because you took the time to listen today. Enjoy the message. If you're new today, um, we're in, we've been in a series over the past uh, seven weeks now titled A Better Way Forward, just journeying to 2023, trying to get to a place where when we get to the new year, we're actually in a place of health and not moving off of uh, motivation or inspiration or any of those things that really die out the first week of the year. And, uh, and so we're, we're hoping that you find yourself in the new year refreshed and rooted, really rooted so you can live 2023 on purpose. And so the foundation of this series is 1 Thessalonians 5.23. And what that says is, uh, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you through and through, and may your spirit, soul, and body be kept completely blameless, be found blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus. So then you uh, you see it there. You are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. And today we're talking specifically about your soul, about your soul. And so then, you're, uh, in the Bible, your spirit has been called your heart. It's who you are, so it's your be identity. Your soul is your actual self. It's where everything comes from. We're going to talk about that in just a second. And your body is your flesh. It's your do identity. It's really how you interact with the world. And so mending your mind is the title of today's message, and, and that really is about strengthening your soul. When you say that, some people get maybe not, not offended, but like, ooh, I don't, I don't know, that's, that makes me uncomfortable. And so mending your mind is really the way that um, God led me to go this morning, because if I say strengthening your soul, you think today is about getting tough. And today is not about getting tough. It's about mending the broken pieces so you can move forward with God, so you can go with God in your grief. Everybody say grief. We're going to talk about it a few times today. And so then, uh, to care for our soul means we need to realize that we can't just sweep things underneath the rug or push them to the back of our mind because eventually that affects our heart, which affects our body, and then we don't feel like doing anything. We, we kind of hit rock bottom or, or 100% empty, right? And so the, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes 3, verses 1 through 8, this is the message translation. If you've never read the Bible before, the message kind of puts this in 2022 terms. And so there's some words in here you're going to be like, I've never heard that in the Bible. You're right, you haven't, because it's the message translation. And it just speaks to today. Here's what it says. There's a time for everything on earth, a right time for birth and another for death, a right time to plant and another to reap, a right time to kill and another to heal. That means you can't defend yourself, by the way. A right time to destroy and another to construct, a right time to cry and another to laugh, a right time to lament or mourn and another to cheer, a right time to make love and another to abstain, to keep from. That's all you people who are not married, right? Uh, a right time to embrace and another to part. A right time to search and another to count your losses. A right time to hold on and another to let go. Another to let go. Heather this week read a quote, and she, she said it a couple times. And when you look outside, you see how beautiful it is to let things go. Some of us just need to let things go today, right? And so um, it can be super beautiful if you if you pay attention to what's happening outside, right? A time to rip out, another time to mend. That's what we're doing today. We're mending our mind. A right time to shut up and another time to speak up. A right time to love and another to hate. A right time to wage war and another time to make peace. And in all that, we do not control these seasons. In Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 8, we don't really control when any of that happens. It just happens. How many of you guys know by show of hands, it just happens. Those things happen, right? And how we react doesn't tend to be from our heart or our spirit. It tends to be from our soul because that's our mind, our will, our emotions. That's where everything kind of lives. And so then 
they're going to happen, and they are going to happen regardless. And so, uh, like I mentioned earlier, the fall season outside is a beautiful season. This is my favorite time of year. Growing up in Oklahoma is my favorite time of year because of football. So this means it's football season. What it also means there is things go from green to brown, and there's none of what you see outside. And so it happens in about a week, and then it's just crunchy and stale outside and blah. And so what we get to experience in fall here is really good. And I'm going to kind of partner the fall season with today's message. And so if, if any of these fall analogies hit you, write them down. It's easy to get lost in the external beauty of everything that's happening outside during our fall season. The color is beautiful. But what we also don't tend to realize until after it's over is fall is a season of decline. It's really a season of death. Everything is coming to a close out there. The days are getting shorter, right? The abundance of summer dies. There's more darkness, right? The sun comes up. I don't know what time it comes up. It's got to be after seven, right? But in the summer, it's like before five. I know because it comes right in our window and, and Axton gets up when the sun comes up. That's his green light. I don't like that green light in the summer. And so, and seeing all that, you see the beauty of spring. But we also need to realize that in fall, that as the leaves fall and everything kind of dies off, seeds are being planted for a beautiful spring to come. We don't think about that. With everything that dies, there does come new life, new life. And if we look deeper than the surface, than the surface of the decline and, and, all, and all the dead things that are kind of going away, and the decline of the season, we cannot even begin to count the multitude of things that are going to bring new life in the spring. We can't even count the, new, the, the number of new things that are going to happen when winter's over. You can't count them. But new life is going to spring forth. It happens every year, and it's out of our control, right? And so then, here's, what, here's what's kind of funny about life. Along the way in life, we lose our dreams. We lose careers. Some of us lose marriages right? Some of us lose family members. Our kids graduate. They move on. We lose influence with them. We lose our routine. We lose the stability that we once had. We lose houses. We lose cars. We lose jobs. And hopefully you don't lose a spouse that way. But every change that happens is really a death of something that once was. It was. And so then at some point in life, the, the reality is some of us are going to approach or experience catastrophic loss. It happens to everybody. That means we're going to lose somebody that we love, and that's really hard to deal with, and, and a lot of us tend to blame God for that, and I'm hoping to bring some clarity to you in that today. Now, a loss is going to leave you feeling empty. It's going to leave you feeling broken, and now listen, I don't want to make this solely about losing loved ones today because we lose other things that greatly affect us just as much as that because everybody in here is different, and so then if you've lost a house, a car, or a job, or you've lost, you've lost the, the most horrifying thing I've ever done in my whole life is to do a, a funeral for a, an accidental drowning of a two-year-old baby. It's the most hard thing I've ever had to do in my life. And so I'm not going to pretend to be in the boat that, you're, that you've been in or are in or, have, or, or might come across, but I want to help you see how God sees it. And uh, we're going to look at Psalms 42 today if you want to turn there or, or write that down. In the course of a lifetime, we're going to experience that loss likely several times, not just once, Right? And so again, today is not about toughening up. I don't want you to toughen up today. You can do that at another time. You'll do that physically. Right now, we want to mend our mind and really strengthen our soul. And so obviously losing someone is way more catastrophic than losing a job, but both will scar you. Both scar you because you're going to remember the date. Everybody remembers the date. But when somebody vanishes from your life, it really brings you to a crossroads, and that can either transform you or it can destroy you. That one loss, Right? And experiencing loss or death does not ever leave you the same. It just doesn't. There's no going back to what once was when you once had that person. 
And all we're left with at that moment is memories and a social media account, right? The people that we used to interact with and, and follow. And, and if I'm going to be real with you, I still follow three people on social media that aren't alive anymore. Because one, I'm going to honor them, but two, they're still my friends. They're still my friends. I can't, every time I scroll through, because I, we check, me and Heather do a very good job of making sure we're not following a bunch of weird people, right? So she can check my stuff and I can check her stuff. And, and every now and again, we'll go through and I'll, and I'll see these people's names and I'll go, man, man. And I'll go to the account and I'll see their last post and I remember, and I remember. And that used to break my heart. It used to break my heart, but it's not like that anymore. And so the truth in experiencing loss is this, and this, I think this is one of the bigger points we need to get to today. We do, we do not become less through loss unless we allow loss to make us less. We made that a slide because there's a lot of L words in there. We do not become less through loss unless we allow loss to make us less. And the way a loss can destroy you or make you less is by grinding your soul down to absolutely nothing. To absolutely nothing. Your mind, your will, and emotions just become, oh. But loss can also transform you and make you more. It's the crossroads that we come to. That's not saying that we shouldn't mourn because we should. And when we talk about grinding your soul down to absolutely nothing, we've said this several times in the series, your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. Your soul is your actual self. It's what connects your spirit and your body so you can interact with your five senses in the world, right? Your soul is also called your intellect, your feelings, your inspiration, your passion, the essence of who you are. That's your soul. The embodiment. What do I mean the embodiment? Your actual self. This is not biblical terms. These are worldly terms. But the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5.23, you are three parts whole. A lot of people confuse these two and they think they're the same thing. They're not. This is what your soul is, your mind, your will, your emotions, your intellect, your feeling, your inspiration, your passion, your essence, your embodiment, everything that you are, your actual self is your soul. And so, oh, I don't know, and, and I think that everybody here has experienced loss at some level. I don't know that I'll ever get over those losses, right? Especially the loved ones, the ones who are really close to me. But we can't absorb that loss and let it become part of who we are. And that's what I've done with Andrew and Frank and my old upholstery guy who wasn't Buddy. His name's Buddy. Uh, who wasn't a great friend, but he was, he was a pretty good friend. Right? We, can't absorb, we can absorb that loss and let it become part of who we are. And the reality is, is for me, we still have one day a year that I take my whole family out and we eat oatmeal cream pies on the day of Andrew's death because he was super close because they were his favorite. And I used to live on oatmeal cream pies in college, so it's pretty easy for me to do, right? And in that moment, I smile and I remember. I smile and I remember the times that we used to have great venting sessions in his office with closed doors, talking about how bad the church was, right? And, and I worked at the church. So uh, I'll never forget the day that, that Andrew died, so much like fall. The day that Andrew died was also the day that we found out we were pregnant with accident. And so in one day, all these emotions hit me. Random, random deal. Andrew just falls dead in a meeting with his whole staff right in front of him. And I'm trying to process that, and I'm on the phone, and I'm, and I'm talking to friends and people, and, and I'm working through that, and Heather's been really weird the last couple weeks. And I'm like, I think you're pregnant. And so she comes that day, and she says, I'm pregnant, so I'm, I am sobbing, but I'm happy. I'm sad. I'm joyful. It's Ecclesiastes. I am every emotion that you can imagine all in one day because with that death came also beautiful life. If you see Axon running around here, he's precious, man. And so 
Remembering our loved ones and the losses that we experience, those feelings are good for our soul. They're really good for you. It's not a bad thing unless you let them grind you down to nothing. They're good. And the reality is it helps us learn the pain of others so we can help and walk with them if we allow it, right? Because why? Because we've experienced it ourselves. We've experienced that pain ourselves. And loss is one of the ways that, God's allow, that God allows us to help others in hard times. I also believe it's one of the greatest reasons he gave us a memory is so we can remember, right? Because our memory has the potential to make us better if we choose that. Or it can make us go down a path that just is absolutely atrocious, right? All that said, in our moments of loss and sorrow, we often find ourselves in a place of feeling empty. And sorrow can reduce you to nothing because it just lives here and eats everything that is up, including your whole self, your whole self. And as believers, these moments are super important to remember that God creates everything out of nothing. God creates everything out of nothing. Everything begins with nothing from Genesis and dirt to today, from fall to spring and spring back to fall. And what's meant for bad, God can use and will use for good, like the fall season growth comes in the spring with the loss of everything that you see around you. And so then, like Ecclesiastes, there's a time and a season for everything. And what we need to realize in these moments is that we're fragile. We're fragile in these moments. Even as big, strong men, we're super fragile. And the way that we react sometimes is because we're not healthy here. Our spirits are healthy, and that's because you've always been this way. And I'll get to that in just a second. And so in these moments, we're fragile. What God's asking us to do in that moment is to come to him. He says, come to me, all you who are weak, who are weary, and I will give you rest. 2 Corinthians uh, 1, 3 through 5 says this. It says, Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercy and the God of all comfort, who comforts and encourages us now talk about and use what we talked about so far in this scripture right here. And the God of all comfort, right? Who comforts and encourages us in every trouble so that we may be able to comfort and encourage those who are in any kind of trouble. Your experience leads you to be able to help others because you've experienced it yourself. With the same comfort which we've comforted, which, which we ourselves are comforted by God. For just as Christ's sufferings are ours in abundance, in abundance, we've all felt that abundance, as they overflow to his followers, so also our comfort, which is our reassurance, our encouragement, our consolation, is abundant through Christ. It is truly more than enough to endure what we must. What's that mean? Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough. That's that spiritual side. This is where we have contact and relationship and interaction with God. Jesus is enough. We don't contact Jesus here, right? This is our mind, will, and emotions. Jesus is enough. And so through the belief in God, if we have that belief, through belief in God, because he's the God of all comfort, everybody say comfort. Because the loss becomes part of us, right? It just is, you, you, whether you like it or not, it becomes part of you. You find yourself in a place spiritually where you say, it's okay. You finally get to a place after a season of mourning, pain, sorrow. You finally get to a place where you say, it's okay. It's okay. It's still there, but it's okay. To the point where you say, it's well. It is well. And that's where the old hymn, the song, It Is Well With My Soul, comes from. This is a man who lost his entire family. And he actually has to take a ship across the ocean, he goes by where their boat sank, and he wrote that song because he had been dealing with that grief and that pain for so long. 
to the point that he got to the place in the ocean where that ship sank, where he lost his daughters. His wife made it. And he, and he wrote the song, It Is Well. And if you've heard that old hymn, you know exactly what it is. And so you need to know this, that in those hard times, in those moments, God is a God of life. God is a God of life. Luke 20, 37 to 38 confirms this for you. So, but as for the fact that the dead are raised from death, even Moses showed in the passage about the burning bush, when he called the, when he called the Lord, the God of Abraham, all caps, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, which is, those are our descendants, right? Now, he is not the God of the dead, but of the living for all. That means if you're sitting here, that's you. For all live in a definite relationship to him. The Bible tells us in uh, John 10.10, there's a first part and a second part of the scripture. I broke it down. You have an enemy. You have an enemy. He doesn't like you because you stand for this, because you're one of these, because God made you. And he doesn't want you to live holy and righteous. He doesn't want you to, to be blameless. He doesn't want you to find Jesus. And it's because of that, he says that he is a thief who comes only in order to steal, kill, and destroy. And you can take that to as, as extreme as you want because I think everybody here has experienced a little bit of that, right? Which means this. That says there's an enemy who is a thief who comes only in order to steal, kill, and destroy. When you're in Oklahoma, you can say steal and kill, and they sound the same. That's, that's okay, Right? which means God does not take people. This scripture tells you that. This means God does not need another rose for his garden. That's what this scripture says, right? And if you've lost someone in the past and you've blamed God, I just want to ask you to, to reassess because that's not the God that we serve. That's not the God who made you. God didn't make you. God doesn't contradict himself. And so he wouldn't make you to take you. And he did not make the decision to take that person but he will keep them. He will keep them, and that's our hope. That's how we can walk out of a service going, yes, yes. Because why? John 10, 10b says what? It confirms that God is the God of life. It says, I came that you may have life and have it in abundance. That means to the full until it overflows. There's nothing about stealing from you, killing you, or destroying anything that you have. That's all about life and abundance. That's who God is. That's why he sent Jesus. And so when we look at loss with this perspective and the perspective of every season from the, from the uh, perspective of Ecclesiastes, the scripture that we opened up with, even though we don't understand it specifically, we understand it's out of our control. And we know that it's not from God because there's an enemy, right? And so the truth is experiencing loss, grief, heartache, and pain forces us to confront our humanity. And it shows us that we aren't as big, bad, and awesome as we thought we were right? And it helps us to see our personal limits. We do have limitations here and here. That's what loss shows us. And we realize that we're not in control. And when we see from, from afar, we get that 30,000 foot perspective and we see that everything kind of goes and every season is what it is, right? We see it as a whole from death to life. This is what gives us hope. So then what we see now we couldn't see, which is the memory of that friend, the memory of Andrew right? The memory of your friend or your family member now makes you smile, and it now gives you a reason. It didn't in the moment, but man, it does now, and it does now. They are part of you. They were before, but now it's deeper. Now it's deeper because you experienced it, right? The job that you lost helped you find the work that you needed. I was looking for a job, and I found this one, right? The detour that delayed you turned you in the direction you were supposed to go, 
you don't see it in that moment. In the moment of loss, you don't see it. You don't see it. With full perspective, we see how losses that once felt insurmountable. We cannot overcome this. Force us to learn things about ourselves which change and improve the trajectory of our future, of our tomorrow, right? Because as that leaf falls off the ground, it plants something beautiful, something beautiful. In that moment, it seems as life is lessening, much like the fall, silently, silently in those moments, seeds of life and hope are being sown. As you mourn, as you weep, as you go through grief, as you feel the pain, there are seeds being planted. Eugene Peterson, who's an amazing man, he says this. He says, pain is not the worst thing. Being hated is not the worst thing. Being separated from the one you love is not the worst thing. He said, even death, even death is not the worst thing. The worst thing is to fail to deal with reality and become disconnected from what is actual. That's the worst thing. And that's the worst thing because when we fail to deal with the actual, we lose ourselves. We grind ourselves, our complete self, down to nothing. Down to nothing. And what we do in our grief affects the way that we live our lives and it affects the way that we interact with each other because we're dealing with something that we think nobody else has dealt with, right? And the truth is we don't become more mature in our mind. We do not become more mature in our mind by avoidance or distraction or cleverly circumventing our losses, right? We don't become more mature that way. We become more mature when we deal with reality and we walk with God in it. C.S. Lewis said this. It's going to be part of your action step. You can screenshot this if you want. It says, we should bring to God what is in us, not what ought to be in us. Because the oughts keep us from telling the truth. The oughts keep us from telling the truth. They will also keep us from feeling the truth, especially the truth about our pain. And the oughts in Proverbs are what rot our bones. The oughts are like ought, 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 ought. And don't bring to God what ought to be. Bring to God what is. So the big question is, how do we get out of our pain? You guys okay? Good. How do we get out of our pain? The reality is this. In today's culture, we've almost lost the capacity to grieve. We are so wrapped up in this thing that we can't take a moment. And so we just open this thing up and deal with our grief this way which means scan and, and just anything but that, right? And so people use work, they use televisions, they use media, they use pornography, they use drugs, they use alcohol, they use shopping, they use being busy, they use food, we like to use food, okay? And even helping others. Anything that I can do just to, just to numb that, whatever that is, whatever that is in here, whatever I can do to numb this in here, that's what I'm going to do. And in today's culture, the common way to deal with pain is addiction. And if it's not addiction, it's busy. It's busy. There's only two ways. And we regularly deny and delay dealing with the difficulties and the loss in our life. We neglect to deal with the heartache and the rejection and the frustration that take place in us emotionally because we don't, we're, you're not meant to be there and you're not meant to live in that place. You're meant to live here. You're a spirit. You are a spirit God called you to be a spiritual being. You're, you, that's who you are. This is who you are. But so many times when we have a loss, this becomes who we are. And it eats all of this up, which tends to make our self-talk negative, right? And so it forces you to feel 
alone. And the response that we should have in dealing with grief, in dealing with mourning, etc., is not to cover it up. Covering it up is not good. It might be good in that moment because you talk yourself into it, right? But the Bible teaches us to deal honestly and prayerfully with loss and disappointment, big or small, and all the confusion that comes with it. And so because if you're going to grow and mature into the human being that God has called you to be, spirit, soul, and body, three parts whole, if you're going to grow into that person, you must learn to work through loss, get through loss, overcome loss. Again, you don't overcome it. It becomes part of who you are. 1 John 5, 4 says this, for everyone born of God is victorious and overcomes the world. That's everything. And this is the victory that has conquered and overcome the world. Our continuing, what, what is it that's, that's got us to this place? Our continuing persistent faith in Jesus. It's Jesus. Jesus is enough, right? So when it comes down to it, feeling sad or depressed, by the way, depressed means to be pushed down, depressed, anxious, exhausted, or fearful for any period of time, this has to do with unbelief. This has to do with unbelief. It's not God. Remember that enemy who wants to steal, kill, and destroy. God doesn't give you any of those thoughts or feelings. God can work through this, and God can saturate this if you allow it to happen from here first, right? And so then, if this sounds harsh, remember Jesus wept over his best friend's grave, Lazarus, and he cried over the people of Jerusalem as he was being or going to be persecuted and crucified. Jesus turned toward his pain. That's counterintuitive to us today because we have this sweet thing and everything else, right? And so when you turn to your pain, that's really the heart of Christianity. That's really the heart of who Jesus is because we think the quickest way to get out of something dark and hurtful and bad is to run from it. Jesus turns to it. And what you see with the way that Jesus approached death in his life is the quickest way out of darkness is not to chase the sun to the west, but instead to head east and go into the darkness and meet the sun as it comes up. And that's hard. That's easy to say on a Sunday, guys. That's super easy to say on a Sunday. So I want to talk reality because let's talk about how we run from the sun as opposed to facing, facing the hurt. Let's talk about how we, how we run from it. This is how we deal with our hurts and our pains. These are eight points if you're taking notes. The first thing that we do, we like to do is denial. We'll just deny it, right? And this will be one whole slide at the very end if you want to screenshot it. So then what, in denial, what do we do? We refuse to acknowledge it, whatever the hurt, the, whatever it is, we, did, we just refuse to accept it, right? And what do we say? I'm fine. You walk out, your people see you, they see it here, right? What do you say? I'm fine, I'm fine. The second thing is distraction. People approach you, they know what's happening in your life, and they say, hey, how are you, etc. I can tell, and you change the subject. You make a joke, you chuckle, okay? You Bill Murray it, we got that going for us, yeah? which is nice, right? Distraction. The third thing is minimize. We'll minimize it, which is what? We'll admit it, but not to the full scope of what it really is, right? Yeah, you're right, that is happening, but I'm not, gonna, I'm not going to let it appear the way that it really is, that it actually is. Remember that quote we just shared? We want to make it less serious than that. And so, yeah, yeah, it is, but not as, not as bad. It's not what you think, Right? The fourth thing we do is rationalize, and when we rationalize, we're telling ourselves rational lies, okay? We make excuses, justifications, and we create alibis for what it is that we're going through. Oh, well, if, which leads to the next one, we intellectualize. This is a big word, okay? What does this mean? We give theories, 
and ideas and analysis on what we're feeling. Well, it's only because of this. We'll just put our thinking cap on and we'll fix it, right? And the last three tend to be the way that we go if we're, if we're immature in any area of our life. We blame others. We blame others who want to take no responsibility for our behavior, for what we're going through at this moment. And so we just tend to project it onto others. The other thing that we do is we blame ourselves. This is my fault. We blame ourselves. We inwardly take on the loss. That makes grinding yourself down to absolutely nothing in your soul very, very possible. We blame ourselves. The last thing we do is we become hostile. This is how I used to deal with this, okay? Just get angry. Just throw some stuff, hit some stuff, right? Anytime a reference is made to that moment, that time, that person, that anything, we just get angry, we become hostile. Those are the eight ways that we deal, right? Our defense mechanism is the way that we cope. And what I want you to see is all those come from your soul. These are all decisions you make in your mind. This is not a heart thing. This is a mind thing, okay? And the reality in operating solely, S-O-L-E-L-Y, in your soul, S-O-U-L, is that we don't include our spirit in this. So then we're soulish people. We don't include God. We don't include the word. We don't include the truth. We do not process with him, which means we're not in conversation or prayer, right? And when we do not process with him, within our spirit, these feelings that make us human, grief, right, anger, sadness, create a way that we become self-reliant. And we just think, I've got to figure this out. I've got to figure this out. And so I'll do whatever I have to do to figure this out. And we leave who we are over here to the side, right? And then we use, then once we say that, we use one of the defense mechanisms that are listed here, okay, that we, that we cope with, right? And then those along with addiction or busyness is how we find ourselves being 100% dependent upon ourselves and not on God. And that rots our bones. It keeps us from experiencing God in the emptiness that we're experiencing. And God says, come to me. He said, hey, listen, come to me. Come to me. I got you. I've got you, right? And so owning the actual, owning the actual, the Jordan Peterson quote, facing reality, this is a, this is a huge point. I'm sorry I didn't make this a point for you. Owning the actual, facing the reality, is not about overcoming or letting go as much as it is growing through. It's growing through and including and walking with God in those hard moments, right? It's a painful process. It's one that you never forget. But with God, it makes you stronger and it allows you to be strong for others, right? So I've got about 15 minutes left. Here are three points. We're going to swing to the finish. You guys ready? Three points to connecting with God in your grief. It's in Psalms 42. We're just going to look at verse 4 and 5 right now. I'm going to touch on verse 2 to close, okay? And I'm going to read verse 2 just because you need to hear it. As the deer pants. This is David. David is speaking to God, right? You hear some really crazy things in the Psalms when you read Psalms because David was a man after God's own heart. So that means they were really close. David's one of God's favorites, okay? If God has a favorite, David's one of those, okay? He's in the top five. And so David's had some really, really, really rough conversations with the Lord. He's also had some great songs and prayers and all this. And this one in particular, he's running for his life, okay? He's in fear of losing everything. The throne, his family, his church, everything, okay? His son, as a matter of fact, is trying to dethrone him in this psalm. And so death is all around him from who he is to they're stoning him. They are throwing rocks at him on his way out of town. So he flees. 
he flees. And here's where he gets to. This is, this is the opening. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul, my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Verse 4, these things I remember as I pour my soul out within me. I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise. Used to do that. Okay, now look at me. Why, my soul, are you downcast? He's talking to himself here. He's talking to his soul. Why are you downcast? Why are you so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will praise him for the help of his countenance. Step one. Step one in dealing with hurt, pain, sorrow, grief, all of those things. One, stop listening to yourself. I can't put myself in your shoes. This is huge. Using David to show you. Stop listening to yourself. Why? 80% of it's negative. And in grief and sadness, I'm pretty sure it's well over 90. I'm sure if it stopped listening to yourself. In verse 4, David says, I pour my soul out within me. I pour my soul out within me. I'm pouring myself out. And then he starts doing it. What's he say? I used to go here. I had this. Oh, this. Now I'm just stuck in a cave. Right? He's pouring it out. And when you're mourning, when you're grieving, when you are depressed, you can't cheer yourself up. Why? Depressed people don't cheer depressed people up. They can't. That's just fact, right? To get better, you need to get around somebody else. One, who's close to you, obviously, because you're not going to open up to somebody to a stranger. But get close to somebody who's experienced the same thing, who knows you, who can walk with you. It's important. Why? So you don't talk to yourself because alone, by yourself, it's not very good. I've been there. We've all been there, right? You need to be around people who can walk with you and lift you up. You need to get in the word of God and see what he says about the situation, not what your forehead says about it, okay? Because head knowledge is great, but, heart, but a belief in your heart will change everything. And so then get in the word. Let God speak to you. Worship, worship, sing your heart out, and just give God that. God says, give me everything. I'll walk with you. God says, when you cry out to me, I'll save you. When you give it to me, I'll bring you rest, right? So then don't sit back and take, and I'm going to use this word attack. Attack those feelings back. I don't use attack to say toughen up here. I say, use what God's given you. Toughen up here. Fight back spiritually. Don't do something. Connect with who God made you to be and fight back or attack back that way. That means be proactive in your battle. No sweeping it under the rug. Attack back. Stop listening to yourself and listen to God. Listen to those who can help you. Talk, pray, sing, shout. By the way, women do this part better than men. That's why they speak five times as many words as us, okay? They just do it better. Stop listening to your soul. Stop listening to yourself. Stop listening to your soul. Stop listening to your mind. Stop listening to yourself. Stop listening to all of these things, okay? That's point one. Start number two. It seems contradictory, but it's not. If you're following along with being three parts whole, start talking to yourself. These are affirmations. Start talking to yourself. And you say, but Dusty, they'll take me away. Don't talk to yourself like that, okay? David said, I pour out my soul. I pour out my soul. We've learned that what our soul is, our soul is ourself. It's our psyche. It's everything that we are, your mind, will, and your emotions. Our thoughts and emotions, our feelings are what we battle. They affect the way that we think. They affect every decision that we make. So when I say stop listening to yourself, what I'm saying is stop listening to your soul. Stop listening to your soul and start 
talking to your soul. Start talking to your soul. This will make a little bit more sense here in a minute. Verse 5, David says, Why, my soul, are you downcast within me? Why are you so disturbed within me? And I tell you to start talking to yourself because you have authority. Once you were born again, God gave you an authority because you have the Spirit of God. And so then stop listening to the soulish part of yourself and let your spirit talk to the soulish part of who you are. Right? So when David says this, what he's saying to himself, what he is saying to his soul is, why are you so depressed? Why are you being so loud within me? He's getting control. He's taking authority, right? He tells his soul, we're going to put our hope in God. You saw the scripture. And I'm going to praise him. So then I'm choosing who I am. I'm choosing to praise God in this moment, even though I'm losing everything and death is around me. I'm choosing God, right? And he's taking authority over his soul. He's not giving in. He's battling back. He's battling back spiritually, okay? And so he's redirecting his mind, right? His will and his emotion to fix the focus of his spirit, of who he is, on being on the one who can set him free from the pain he is in. That's it. So David tells his soul, stop throwing a fit. Stop throwing a fit. He starts speaking from his spirit, from his heart, right? And in that becomes a lot of truth and faith and the foundation that we built our life on, that David built his life on, that David rose to the place he did from fighting bears to leading a nation. And the truth is, your spirit should rule over your heart. Here's the struggle with this. Sorry, your spirit should rule over your soul. Your spirit is your heart. Your spirit should rule over your soul. Here's what happens when you are born. When you are born, when you, when you are conceived, at conception, your soul comes to life, okay? Then when you get saved, your spirit is reborn, okay? And this is in uh, Romans, it says, your spirit, which the Bible says is dead to sin. When you become saved, your spirit comes alive in you. So until you find Jesus, your soul is in charge. So, example, for me, I was 17 when I prayed to receive Jesus, okay? So over 17 years, this ruled my life. So guess what happened for the longest time after I received Jesus? My spirit would say, we should do this, and my soul would say, baloney. That's not how it's worked in the past, bro. I got this, right? And so... When you're led by your soul, and here's, so then for 17 years, I could only drink milk. We've talked about this in the past if you've been here. But when you're led by your spirit, you can have solid food. This is when we mature. We mature when we start operating in who we are. Why? Because we have to overcome the, the process, the years of operating and being soulish. Decades. And it's, it's why it's important to get into the word, right? And not pretend that we know it all. Because you can know it all. The truth is you know a lot. A lot of us were raised in church and we know what we're supposed to do, but we're still unsure of what we believe in our heart. And this is where maturity comes. It's that actual belief. And so then when you're growing or when you're growing, when you're grieving or when you're mourning, you have to let your spirit lead the way. It's not, it doesn't make it any easier. It's a decision that you have to make. And that's what David was doing. His soul was complaining and he recognized it and he put a stop to it. And he allowed his spirit to lead in that moment. That's Psalm 42.5. Third step. Get to God. 
get to God. Why? That's your spiritual connection. That's your spiritual connection. God's face is always shining on you, no matter what. No matter what. And I want to show you two things. And by the way, Psalms 42 and 43 are written together. They're really, I believe they're the same book. Somebody just decided to divide them, okay? In 42.5, here's what it says. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you distracted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him for, you see in bold here, for the help of his countenance. Pay attention to this. For the help of his countenance. Everybody say his. Now I want to go to verse 42.11, which is the same in, verse, in chapter 43. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall praise him. The help of my countenance and my God. What changed? His to my. Does everybody follow? And what David is saying here is when I look to his face, it changes mine. When I look to his face, it changes mine. His countenance changes my countenance. You see it on his face. And what David is realizing is I have to get my eyes on Jesus in this moment. I have to get my eyes on Jesus and connect here. I've not been doing that. I've been doing this here, and it's been a struggle, and I've been grinding myself to absolutely nothing. I need to connect here. Get to God. And so when it comes to past hurts and pain and regret and sin and loss, I'm not minimizing any of that. I've experienced it. I can't to even begin to pretend the level that you have. But in these moments, when you're hurt or when you're grieving, when you're mourning, when you're sad, when you're angry, when you're depressed, you can do your best to hide it. I've, pl- I've done that, right? And when we do our best to hide it, people see it anyways, don't they? They see it anyways. Why? This is eating us up. This is eating us up. And they see it on our face. So then, it's unique to the timing of this message in the series. I didn't even know we were going to be here. But Christmas is coming. Thanksgiving is coming. People are coming to your house. You're going to somebody else's house. These memories are going to flood your mind once again. I don't have to identify the hurt that you know right now that's in your mind. You already know it, right? And as you do this, people are coming over to your house, and you go to theirs, and what happens? We get ourselves composed. If it's at our house, we're in the back until everybody's there, and they're like, okay, game face. Let's do this, right? People at my house, right? And what happens? If you're in this moment, what's the first thing that people say to you? What's wrong with you? Are you okay? Are you okay? What's, what happened? Who made you mad, right? First thing, who made you mad? What'd somebody do? I'll fix it. I get, and, and I'm normally that guy, right? And so the first thing that they ask is that what's wrong and you can't hide it anymore. Here's two things. One, that's okay. It's okay to experience that emotion. Please, that's healthy. You can experience emotion whenever you feel. Battle with this. Don't just let it eat at you and then walk out and think you're going to be somebody without this. I have to check in with God. Get to God. And then don't let the enemy steal or attack from you in that moment. That's a moment that you're with your family, right? That's one of those, let's celebrate who's here. Let's rejoice and be glad for who we have. Let's thank God for waking up today, right? One of the things that David is is mourning in the Psalms is the loss of his church. He said, I used to go to the house of God and I used to sing with joy I used to sing with praise. And in that moment, he's getting his self together. He's getting his self together. And in getting his self together, he's saying, I can worship God right here. I can meet with God right here. I can attack back right here spiritually. All I'm doing is attacking my mind. It's not a, it's not a physical thing, okay? 
And so I can get in the presence of God no matter where I am. And the reality is, so can you. So I'll close with this. This is the central message of Jesus. Whether you want to relate it to fall outside, right? Suffering, death is always followed by resurrection. Resurrection. Transformation. And a biblical promise that you have is everything that dies is always raised and has a glorious resurrection. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only ever a single kernel. Forever it will only be that. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. This is John 12, 24. Resurrection only comes after death. Your losses, my losses, our losses are real. But so is God. So is God. Genesis 50, 20 says, evil is meant against me. But God means everything for good. Sometimes things happen in our life that break our heart, that steal our joy. In those moments, it's easy for us to forget. It's easy for us to forget that God has a hand in everything that we do, and he wants a hand. He wants to be connected. He knows what you're going through, and he knows your heart in every moment. He does. And so God can work in everything, and he can work in every moment of our life if we let him. If we try to, if we don't self get so self-reliant that we say, oh yeah, oh yeah, God, oh yeah, here you are, right? And so (laughs) we have to remember who opens our eyes every morning, who gives us breath. Our God is a very big God, very big. Have faith and find comfort knowing that he's going to come through for you. Why? Romans 8.28 leads to the finish. And we know, which means we believe with great confidence that God who is deeply concerned about us because it's all things to work together as a plan for good for those who love him, to those who are called according to his plan and his purpose. God can take everything and use it for good. There can be a glorious resurrection. There can be growth. There can be good. So here's your action step. (sighs) Bring to God what is actually in you, not what you think ought to be in you. I have friends who when it's time to pray, they put their special prayer verse on, What? Just talk to God. Bring God what is actually in you, not what you think ought to be in you. Be real so you can become more. This is what David showed us in Psalms 42. Last thing is this. I read you that scripture about the deer. I'm not a deer hunter. I do like to go bird hunting once a year, and that's it. Only because I get invited. I do not own a shotgun, okay? So if that takes my man card, I apologize. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul, my soul, pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for the living God. David was spiritually hungry in that moment. Here's the only one thing I know about deer. They only ever pant one time, ever, one time. It's when they're running for their life. And as the deer's running for its life, it can use up to 80% of its water storage, okay? So then... We identify, as David identifies that deer, you see, somebody just shot his friend, his mother, his uncle, his cousin. He smelled something he didn't like, and that deer takes off, scared to death. Jumping fences and creeks and everything. And as soon as that deer gets to a place of rest, he finds water. He finds water because he just used almost all of it. And in that, so I'm going to ask you, 
This is water. This is water. This is water. Get to water. Get to God. This is water. And if you do, God will help you. He'll be the God of all comfort. He will give you rest. You'll begin to grow. You could eat solid food like a big boy or a big girl because you're not being selfish anymore. You're actually letting your spirit lead. Thank you so much for joining us today. It means more than you know to have you with us. And to all of you who partner with us and support the mission of our church, thank you. We cannot be the church without you. Go ahead and click the link in the description to partner with us now, or you can visit thegrovefc.com forward slash partner. If you enjoy the podcast, please take a minute to like and subscribe. And if you know someone who would benefit from hearing this message, share it with them. This is how the gospel goes forward. Thanks again for being here today. God bless you.